Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, we'll be listening to PSY 352, Social Psychology with Professor Nathan Smith. I hope you listen and enjoy. So looking now at the factors related to attraction, the second factor we're speaking about today is similarity. So we'll start with the definition. Um, similarity is uh, how similar, how alike uh, one thing is to another thing. And we'll start with the basic hypothesis, the similarity attraction hypothesis. Perceived similarity with another increases our chance of liking them. Uh, another way to say that, the more you think somebody is like you, the higher the chances that you will actually like that person. So, uh, liking in this way is associated with similarity in personality, in race, in gender, in appearance. Um, and I'll add to that, for the modern world, in um, in a region of the country that you're from, in sports team that you like, in music group that you like, in TV show or type of movie or... Um, any type of social categorization that you can make. Um, even if you like something really specific, like you're into Japanese horror movies, we'll say. I do have a couple friends who are into Japanese horror movies. I'm not, I'm not really into horror movies at all. But um, I have two friends who don't, didn't know each other, but when we, the three of us, met, I said, oh, you know, this is funny. Uh, you know, you, Dave, and you, um, John, you guys are both into Japanese horror movies. You know, like the original Ring and all these kind of weird, crazy movies that I'm not really into. And then those two people could talk, you know, forever about that. Um, but just this, um, the liking the same thing makes two people like each other more. Right. So, um, though... Homo, the homophily principle, homo being um, the, the uh, first part of the word meaning similar, right? Um, like homogenous, um, you know, a group that's all the same is homogenous. Um, so similarity leads to an increased chance of forming many types of close relationships. And this is a powerful effect and it often occurs if we just perceive that the other is similar, whether or not they actually are. And this gets kind of, um, this can get kind of wonky when you, when we start talking about um, attractiveness, which we'll do, uh, I think, in, maybe in the next section of this lecture or the section after. But keep this in mind. Um, you don't have to actually be similar to someone to like them more. You just have to think you're similar. Right. Um, just having it in your mind that that's the case makes it real. Um, and the effect is very powerful whether or not you actually are similar. Just thinking that you are is enough. Um, and one example of this is um, liking people who have the same name as you. And this is, there's no reason in particular to like someone who has the same name as you. And yet, it's something pretty much everybody does, and it's been demonstrated in the lab um, that you like. You, you Even, you know, if you keep everything else the same, you just tell somebody, oh, you know, this is, if you're me, 
uh, you introduce someone else as Nathan, and we go, oh, hey, we're both Nathans, that's cool. Um, whereas if you introduce them as, you know, Jonathan, which is similar to Nathan, but not quite the same, you go, oh, I'm Nathan, you're Jonathan, that's cool. Um, but you don't have that same sort of powerful effect. So, uh, on the, all on the same lines, um, we can assume similarity if we already like the person, right? So this is one of those chicken or egg things. So, if I already like you, then I'm probably going to assume that you and I are similar. And this can get uh, difficult to sort of untangle the chicken or egg effect. And you have two people who like each other, you, you can try and figure out, are we... Do we like each other because we're similar, or do we think we're similar because we like each other? And um, it, it can be hard to, to tease those uh, bits apart. So marriage and similarity. Happier couples tend to be similar in age, political and religious affiliation, education level. Uh, personality variables are less important, right? So what's the old, the old adage is uh, opposites attract, right? The old, um, uh, the old song, I forget who it was by, uh, Paula Abdul, maybe? Um, we come together because opposites attract. Um, you know, not necessarily the case, at least when we talk about age and politics and religion and education, uh, really opposites don't attract in the same way. Um, We find actually the opposite, that, that similarness, similarity. Uh, folks who are similar are more attracted and more, um, and are happier in their relationships. But personality variables, that might be the case, right? So if you have, so let's say you have, um, you, you meet someone and you're similar age in politics and religion, education, etc. But uh, you might find that they're in personality they're very opposite of you. I would say this is the case in my life. My wife and I are similar in age, uh, politics, I suppose. Religious affiliation, yes, definitely. Um, education level, yeah, I would say. But in personality, we're very different. So I'm very introverted, she's very extroverted. Um, she's sort of the, this the very high energy, um, hard driving, you know, always pushing on to the next thing, and I'm, you know, I take things slower, more laid back. Um, you know, I'm not always driving on to the next task. I'm kind of, I finish the task and like, oh, good job. Let's take a walk. You know, maybe we'll get a coffee and hang out for a little bit. Then we can think about doing something else. But, you know, she's very much, <laughs> she's very much the opposite. And, um... I think maybe the the idea that opposites attract came from this personality, uh, this varying personality thing, without considering the the more um, these more important things like age and politics and religion and education. Um, not that they're more important to who you choose, but they kind of seem to be uh, very important in um, in in marital happiness. Uh, more mer very important that they're similar in marital happiness. And then the matching hypothesis. We tend to like others who look like us with similar physical attractiveness. I love these studies where they ask people how attractive they think other people are. Um, I just think they're really fascinating. You know, you break up, a, you know, you take pictures of a bunch of people in couples 
and you know give them to a bunch of other folks to rate in attractiveness from one to ten, then you find that people who are rated as sixes are dating other sixes, and nines are dating other nines, and threes are dating other threes, and it's so strange, um, but it's it's such a strong effect. Um, I just find it fascinating. So, um, so ultimately, why is similarity so powerful? Um, so is there a greater chance of running into each other at events? Probably. Um, not just at events, but um, there's a greater chance of, of running into them at all kinds of things. Um, it's, it would be interesting to, to think about how many of your best friends, how many of your spouses or significant others did you meet at a thing that you both like to do, or at a thing that you both have in common. Um, I, w I met my wife at a Christian summer camp and it, uh, on a beach in Maine. It turns out we both like Christian summer camps and the outdoors and the ocean and helping and caring for others, etc. Right. Um, so uh, think about that. Think about that in your own life. And finally, the reinforcement affect model. So similar others can help us feel greater happiness, less loneliness, uh, that our views are more legitimate, etc. So this, the reinforcement we get from being around folks that are similar to ourselves can increase our happiness. Kind of a strange thing to think about. Um, but also one of the reasons potentially why similarity is more powerful because it causes this this feeling of happiness this thing you write in psychology we'd call it the positive affect we get this positive affect from being around similar others and finally we, let's think a little bit about a Christian view on similarity so the scriptures do speak to this um, Paul, when, when Paul's talking about himself, he said that he was a Jew to the Jews. Um, not just that, he said he was a Jew to the Jews, and he goes on to say, um, uh, not, he was a, I don't think he said he was a Gentile to the Gentiles, but um, a Jew to the Jew and uh, a believer to the, to the believers, etc. So anyway, um, so these similarities have more to do with redemption as opposed to liking, right? Uh, so we're not talking in this case about um, people who you like, we're talking about um, being in a group with, with uh, all folks who are redeemed in the same way. The scriptures also suggest that dissimilarity with others can be overshadowed by the importance of a common goal, right? The disciples were very different. You had a doctor, you had uh, a number of fishermen, right? People who, uh, a tax collector, you'd have folks who had nothing in common, who wouldn't be um, who wouldn't be in the same group in otherwise, but in this particular case, um, they're all going towards the common goal, following Christ, right? And that's a good example for us in our everyday lives. Um, the next time you go to church, look around, look for the folks who are, are doing something vastly different than you are, um, and yet you're sitting together, um, standing together, singing together uh, for this common goal, for this common good. The scriptures also suggest that too much similarity might be counterproductive, as the research shows, right, groupthink. Um, not having enough uh, different folks can have this negative effect. 
And current research doesn't focus on the degree of similarity along the various factors, so the actual degree of similarity with the liked others may be more variable than the research suggests. And this is important given God's call for us to relate to many types of people, right? And, and that God's call to relate to many types of people you can think of, as we, we just touched on briefly earlier, all of the different instances uh, when Jesus interacted with folks that were different from the society he was surrounded by. Um, the woman at the well, um, the good Samaritan, the woman caught in adultery, right? All of these folks who are different and were not supposed to be uh, interacted with, um, did, that did not bother Jesus in the slightest. Actually, he seemed to go out of his way to interact with different people. And, and of course, this is a good example for us in our lives as well.